Broadcasting the best of retro and modern gaming. With your hosts, the incomparable Dinky Dana. And myself, John Peel of Mamecade. Welcome to Hit Reset Radio. Hello and thanks for tuning in with us. Today is September 18th and this is lucky episode number 13. We just had a Friday the 13th a few days ago. Dinky, are you a superstitious person? <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that. I was supposed to have jury duty on Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah, and uh, luckily I didn't have to get called in for any trial. I was dreading going in thinking, uh, thinking oh boy, I'm going to get some crazy murder murder, murder rap yeah. case or something on Friday the 13th. But uh, no, in general, I'm not too superstitious. <laughs> Uh, I used to be very superstitious when I was a young man. Now, not so much. But uh, when I was younger, if there was a cat in the street, I'd wait for it to like be long gone before I crossed. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's all those things that you know. You watch cartoons as a kid: the black cat, the walking under the ladder, the breaking the yeah, breaking the mirror. You know, it feeds into your your young mind. But as you get older, you get over it. Yeah, I did just walk under a ladder. That's funny because uh, a week ago or someone's someone was doing something and I actually walked under a ladder and I was like, oh, <laughs> did you like, well, for a second, did you actually, yeah, think, for a second, should I, I do this? And I was like, oh man, maybe I should go around. But <laughs> they were doing work. So, all right, so you walked like, oh, I'll just go under. <laughs> did anything bad happen to you that day at all? Uh, nope. No. It's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I'd like to start out, say uh, happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I just I just had a birthday on the 14th a couple of days ago, and I am an older man now. I'm really old. <laughs> uh, Crap. Do anything fun? <laughs> yeah, no, I had a, a nice meal with my, my family, and we went out to, uh, what's that steakhouse? Uh, Longhorn. Oh, okay, yeah. It's so much better than Outback. Is that oh. the one where they put all the peanuts on the floor? <laughs> what? Is that the steakhouse where they put all the the peanuts on the floor, like people eat peanuts and you just throw the throw the shells on the floor? Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. There were no peanut shells on the floor. This definitely, I I thought it was that place. No, there must be another steakhouse. Well, figure it out because I want to make sure I don't ever go to that one. No, it's it's it's. Well, yeah, I guess it might be a little bit weird, but uh, it's a chain. <laughs> it's across weird. the whole U.S. and they it's a place where you just go in and like as an appetizer before the server gets to you. There's just a big bucket of peanuts, and you just eat them, and you can throw throw the shells on the floor, and they clean them up. Oh, my God. I never heard of such a yeah. place. It's insane. I'm sure some of our <laughs> listeners, someone please mention that they've heard of it, so I don't talk. Yeah, you please. I need to make sure I never go to this place. Yeah. No, this is a nice, it's it's a, a kind of a Western theme. There's, a, you know, big bulls and longhorn steers on the wall, a very Texas kind of theme. It's very, very cool, which is kind of better than a... Uh, an Australian Outback theme for steak. I don't get that. That's, you know, that's weird. You know what? I just looked it up. Where'd you say you went to Longhorn Steakhouse? Longhorn, yeah. yeah. It, that was the place. They used to do that. And it says here that they just stopped doing that. Oh, I wonder why. It, it looks like it's an allergy issue. <laughs> <laughs> People were dropping dead on the floor at their entrance. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Well, hey, at least at least I'm not crazy. I knew there was a place like that, and I thought that was where it was. So, oh my God, I had I've never been there where they're just dropping peanut Here, shells. Here's everywhere. another ad in the Google. The third thing says we don't do creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. So yeah, I guess that's a weird tradition that they 
Oh, well, it was a really good meal. I mean, besides the fact that my kids driving me nuts at the meal, throwing their crayons, you know, into the other booth and all that stuff. But the steak was really good. I enjoyed it. It was really nice. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for that. I appreciate it, dude. Yep. So uh, what else you been up to? Uh, Well, let's see. Today is the 18th, right? And um, Apple has just released iOS 7. And I've just downloaded it a couple of hours ago. It got released about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but I, I had no luck trying to log in. It was not log in, but trying to download it. It wouldn't let me. It kept crashing. I guess everybody in the world was trying to download it. So I downloaded it, and it is incredibly weird because the old iOS has been around since 2007 pretty much, and it hasn't changed much. And now it's it's a very weird screen. It's very flat. All the icons are flat, whereas the old days they were kind of bubble-ish. They looked like they were bubbled with uh, reflections on them. It's weird. What's good about it is a quick slide of your finger from the bottom brings up a control panel that handles all the most common features like putting your phone on airplane mode, handling your Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth. Is a button that you can actually use that activates a flashlight. So all you people that have downloaded apps for flashlights like I did that use the cameras. Yeah, you don't have to do that now. They put that in there. The calculator, the camera, the brightness of the screen. So all the common things are now all put together into one quick flick of the finger, uh, which is good. I haven't really explored much more. Um, It's just kind of weird looking. And I guess in a day or two, I'll get used to the, the look of it. I hear good things about it, so we'll see. To be continued, I guess. Yeah, you'll have to let me know. With with my phone, I I resist updating everything. I don't know why. It's just I figure something's gonna go wrong if I if I do that. So I always wait a little bit and then uh, and then do my upgrades. I'm cursed. I, I always say wait, wait, wait. I'm one of those early adopters that always jump in first, and then I get burned. You know, be it a new game. Be it the Atari Jaguar or whatever, I always get burned. So uh, I told my wife not to update until she looked at mine and, and thought that she liked it. And then if she wants it, then she'll update. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, how about you? What'd you do this uh, past couple of days? Oh, man. As you know, and I've been mentioning a ton on my Facebook and Twitter, I went down to Dragon Con. I hate you. <laughs> see, see the, the funny thing about this is uh i had no idea what dragon con was and i'm sure a lot of the people listening probably don't either but my friend came over and we were going out to the bar and having a couple drinks and stuff and before we were doing that he said he wanted to show me this video of dragon con and i had no idea what it was it was about three weeks before the convention so he shows me the video and the place looked like a blast. So that during that week, I was thinking about taking a vacation anyways. And I took a, I took a week off and uh, we went down there. This place is unreal. I, I've, I mean, I haven't gone to a ton of conventions. I've gone to some gaming ones, but never really where people dress up. And this thing is basically all about cosplay and people dressing up as characters. Yeah. And it, it was insane. Like you've seen videos of it and stuff before, right? Yeah, because I've always wanted to go. In fact, I have family down in Georgia that I can spend time with 20 minutes away from Atlanta that I can get to. But every time I want to go every year, there's something coming up in my life that prevents me from going. So when I heard you were going, 
oh man i was seething i was like oh, son of a gun <laughs> i want to be there with you so bad well next i mean i'm pretty sure my two friends i went with fat kelly my cousin my other yeah. friend and uh right after my cousin called me up after we got back home and he's like we should we should book tickets for that for next year already i mean it was so much fun so we're we're almost definitely going to go again next year and if i go down you should definitely take the trip down there I want to go. You did a road trip, right? You drove down. Yeah, there. it's nice because from Pittsburgh down to Atlanta, it's about uh, it would be about an eleven-hour drive, ten and a half to eleven. And my my cousin lives in Louisville, Kentucky. So what I did is I took a trip from Pittsburgh to there, which is six hours, and then it was six hours again the next morning to Atlanta. So we kind of broke it up, and it was real nice. Well, the drive's got to be fun. Road trips are always fun with friends. Yeah, and I actually put up a cool video on our trip back from there. Uh, we went down from, we got there Friday at about 8 p.m. And then we stayed until, we left it like Monday at 1 or 2. And my cousin had to work on Tuesday. So we had to get back to Louisville real quickly. But after that, we stayed over his place for the night. And then the next day, my friend Rich and I went from Louisville to Pittsburgh. And we used my locator and just went to all kinds of random game stores. And it was funny because the people in the city of Cincinnati just kept leading us to more and more game stores so we went to like three in a row just from the recommendations of the people who told us to uh we, you know where to go we ran into all kinds of cool game stores you saw the one with that huge arcade i watched your videos on the road trip and you used your, your locator and for anybody who hasn't done it yet go to dinky dana's website the game locator to find you know old games and consoles and all kinds of stuff that you want to buy and collect and I saw this video that he walked into this arcade combination video game uh, retro place. It was insane. That was a great place. What, what state was that? That was in Cincinnati, Ohio. In the game, it's insane. The place was called Arcade Legacy. And in the video, it's it's funny because that that wasn't my locator, but it wasn't the one that we were planning on going to. So I went to one game store, and it was closed down, or it wasn't closed down. They they just weren't open during the week. So. My buddy and I, I was like, I'm going to go next door and went into, went into this cricket store and was like, hey, are there any game stores around here? Or did something close down? And he pointed us to some place. So we drove over to that place. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. There was a cricket store in Ohio? Yeah, just a phone store. Yeah, the cricket phone company. Oh, I thought you meant cricket the sport, like the British sport of cricket. No, no, no. no was a... <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah, it was cricket. just a regular cricket place. And the guy pointed us to some mall. So we went to that store and their their prices were a little high. And the guy in there, without us even asking, he said, are you into retro games? And I said, heck yeah, I'm into retro games. That's what I'm looking for. So he pointed us over to this arcade legacy. And this place, it was honestly the best video game store I think I've ever been in. I found out afterwards that it's owned by somebody, one of the members of Nintendo Age. Uh, he's on a big contributor to the Nintendo Age website. If you guys haven't ever heard of that site they they have all kinds of stuff it's a really good place to find those super rare nintendo games like the prototypes and things like that i walk into this place and the first thing that i see is uh mega man for the ibm and tandy holy cow that's old yeah so i, I was like i didn't even know what it was ended up buying that for twenty dollars which i looked up on ebay that there was one that just sold in worse condition than mine for 300 bucks on ebay you're gonna flip it no, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I man. keep everything. Good man. Good 
Good man, but, uh, good man. Then, a true collector, spoken like a true collector. <laughs> and then I got the Shadow of the Colossus soundtrack for the import. So that's one of my favorite games. But the thing about this place is I walk around and it's an actual arcade. You pay $10 for the entire day. So you just put there all, all these arcade machines inside there yeah. are set to free play. So you pay 10 bucks, go in, play any games you want. They probably had 60 arcade machines in there. They had uh, the Ninja Turtles, the X-Men. So we go into this game store and they have all the arcade machines. That, I mean, some of the classics that I've always known growing up, you know. I'm so jealous. Not jealous, envious. I wish I could have been there. Oh. Yeah, it's almost to the point. I mean, it's like the arcades that I used to go into, you know. It's just going yeah. into a place like that now is incredible because they don't exist. Yeah, it's true. It would almost be worth a trip, like a three to four hour trip for me to go back there. But uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. A little off topic of our Dragon Con trip. but Well, I saw the photos of the Dragon Con trip that you took. Those photos are, some of them are a little risque with those uh, cosplay girls. Woo-hoo. Oh, I know. We, we get on there. Okay. I had no idea what to expect. I've never worn any costumes. I've never dressed up as characters other than like normal Halloween stuff. Never been to a convention like that. And we were looking up the videos, and we were like, we have to do something. But I only had two weeks. So I was like, what kind of character can I do that doesn't really require a costume? So I thought of Nathan Drake, because he just basically wears regular clothes. Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah, he has, like, I mean, everybody knows. Adventurer gear, yeah, comfortable. So I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that together, and I wasn't going to get anything really for it. And I was out at the flea market. And I picked up these prop guns. I got this assault rifle uh, water gun, like a squirt gun. Yeah, I noticed the little orange cap on your gun. That was Yeah, good. and I ran into all these different things that just ended up working for the costume and, like, the the shoulder harness and everything. Now, you look, your costume looked really good. You looked good. It was – I saw it. I knew exactly it was Nathan Drake without, you know, even – Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I was going for. I was like – I'm not going to have time to do anything crazy, but as long as people know who I am, I'm cool with that. And then yeah, I, a lot of cool photos. My other friend dressed up as Luffy. Uh, he's the Chinese guy in the hat, the straw hat. And yeah. uh, <laughs> he went as Luffy, which is one of our favorite anime series, uh, One Piece. So that was a really cool character. And then I'm sure you saw my cousin, Fat Kelly, <laughs> wearing the wind <laughs> too. <laughs> so now at least you know what my cousin looks like, right? Yeah. Fat Kelly, I know who he is. He doesn't look very fat to me, though. No, he doesn't look fat at all. He doesn't look like a girl, either. Where do they get the Fat Kelly from? Where does that come from? <laughs> oh, we laugh about this all the time. My my friend Mike, the guy that sends me stuff from Japan all the time, mm-hmm. he, uh, him and his other friend used to, used to know this girl, and they nicknamed her Fat Kelly. Oh, it's one of those like those weird Dinky Dana kind of stories where you're, you're nicknamed after girls. Oh, man. Well, we were just because normally up at college, you know, we were drinking a good bit. So that's where half of our half of our nicknames came from. So he ended up doing Fat Kelly just on the Nintendo Wii. I think it was he just named a character Fat Kelly and left it. So, yeah, we go on to Xbox and everyone thinks that we're girls and then we talk. But, uh, yeah, so he's wearing the Winnie the Pooh. And the only reason he had that is because he was going to just go as Sully because he didn't have a costume. And then, uh. I figured I'd bring the Winnie to the Pooh down. And I'll tell you what, his costume was the most popular by far. He had so many people coming up asking for pictures. There was this little girl. She was probably 10 to 12 years old. And she came up and 
was so excited to see him and said, thank you for wearing a costume. All these other characters are so scary and everything. And this is the first nice one she saw. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. That was a lot of nice. fun. Uh, like some of my favorite pictures. You see that cloud sword from Final Fantasy? Yes. They're all awesome. Yeah, there's that Cammy from Street Fighter. She had an awesome costume. Yeah, there were a couple of sexy costumes, I gotta say. Really. I mean, because it's warm in Atlanta, you can get away with that. You know, I'm in New York, and the New York Comic Con takes place in October. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get to it, but they do give you a dressing room downstairs that the women could change and put on whatever they want to put on, which is kind of cool. See, I was surprised. They basically had no rules down here. I mean, I didn't see anyone enforcing anything. They block, basically, they use five hotels, the five big hotels in Atlanta. And that's where the convention goes on. So you want to stay in a hotel that's part of the convention. And all you have to do is show your badge that you paid, but they don't check anything at all. And basically, uh, in my video, did you see, uh, there, there are all these parties going on and everybody's dancing and there's big crowds and everything. Uh, those, those clips are 3.30 in the morning. Holy crap. Like, it's just a big party down there. I mean, they have all kinds of events that you can go to and gaming stuff and things like that. But, I mean, it was basically just people dressing up in costume, a whole bunch of nerds, and just, just partying, you know? So, it, it was a lot better than I expected. Fantastic. And next year, definitely, you and I are going to hit up that place and meet you there for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, you texted me when I when I was down there, and I was like, oh, man, you would love it down here. <laughs> so many and, – and most of the stuff is about, like, comics and cartoons. Yeah. Well, October's coming up. I got the New York Comic Con coming up, so I'll enjoy that one at least. And then the last thing for down there, I got to uh, – George Takei had a uh, panel. And he was hilarious. All right, so this is Mr. Sulu from the original 60s Star yep, Trek. Yeah. Who who has come out as a homosexual within recent years. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize he's one of the biggest gay rights activists yeah. uh, anywhere. I mean, he, his Facebook's blown up. He has like 4.5 million Facebook likes. Yep. And, I, I mean, he was he did a really good presentation. He came out basically saying... You know, I'm I'm pretty beat from the weekend, so I might be speaking gibberish. But he was he was a lot more intelligent than I was expecting, and I mean, he did a really good job. He brought up a story. He, him and his family were in an internment camp, a, a Japanese American internment camp, right after uh, right after Pearl Harbor. Oh, so they must have been living in California at the time. Yeah, everyone and... from the West Coast got moved to an internment camp. Holy crap. Yeah, that came up because there was an Asian-American band that went up and asked him a question, you know, because he's one of the biggest Asian-American stars. You know, he's huge. Wow, that is huge. Holy cow. I See, I didn't know that about that. Yeah, uh, I didn't know it either. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know about it, but it was really cool just being able to see that. And you can look up uh, George Decay Dragon Con 2013 and see a couple of the clips. And it, yeah. he did <laughs> He was talking one of the funniest things. Do you you ever listen to Howard Stern? Sure, of course. So he was a guest on Howard Stern, and apparently, how or Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to pass a bill when he became governor, and he was getting elected, and he said he was going to pass this bill for gay rights and stuff. So George Takei is out there, and Schwarzenegger never passed the bill. So Howard Stern told George Takei that he could be on the show and confront Arnold Schwarzenegger about it. 
<laughs> so he goes on and they're they're recording you can look it up on youtube and they do this interview and george decay's kind of going off on him you know he's he's pretty serious so they're going through the whole thing and at the end howard stern tells him that it's not it's an impersonator it's not even the real How, uh arnold schwarzenegger oh no so he's like he's going off and then howard stern tells him again that he can come back on and he'll get the real arnold schwarzenegger so he goes through a whole nother interview and it's the impersonator again again yeah but it's it, it was really funny just being able to you know see him present and stuff and uh it's classic howard stern though. oh yeah, totally yeah. Does. that's shtick. <laughs> i remember when i was a kid they didn't say to they said to kai and that was you know what they you know what they said for years and then when he came out i think he corrected everybody and said it's to i guess that's the way they pronounce it in japan and now there's like the whole running joke of Takei Takai. And he's been on lots of TV shows recently. He was on the Big Bang Theory. Um, you know, he, he's a pretty interesting celebrity. And I think he will be at the New York Comic Con. And so will, I know for a fact, William Shatner will be too. And I think there's like a love-hate relationship between them. Yep. So <laughs> that'll be interesting. I actually missed the, uh, Shatner was down at Dragon Con too. And we just... I mean, we didn't expect lines to be that long, uh, so oh, we didn't dude. get into that. The, the, the Trekkies are crazy. Trekkies? Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They had all kinds of really cool stuff down there. They had things about podcasting. I went to a couple of those, just uh, panels. The guy from HowStuffWorks.com, he was there. and uh, Ooh, I like that Yeah, show. just giving tips on podcasts. They have things for gaming, MMOs, anime, cartoons. They really had a lot of events. I was... I was I was pretty pleased with how the convention went. Nice. Excellent. I'm I'm telling you next year by hook or by crook I'm going down there with you. Yeah. That's and we'll we'll Don't. plan this somewhat early cuz I'm pretty sure my friends are going to want to get down again. Awesome. Cool. Um also just to let you know I I uh, mentioned this to you earlier. I am moving. I'm uh, packing the family and we're heading out we're going to still stay in the tri-state area in the Northeast, but we're moving out of New York uh, to bigger digs. And I'm looking forward to having a really big basement to finally sit down and make my videos and do my main Cade stuff and all that other stuff. I'll have ample, ample room and I can't wait. Yeah, you're going to have a big studio over there now. Oh, it, it's exactly what it's going to be. In fact, every morning when I wake up, I open the back doors and there's like a whole, it's not a flock, it's a herd of deer. I, deer are on my backyard every morning. It's such a weird thing, you know, coming from Brooklyn to see deer and at night it gets pitch black. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're probably not used to that. Your kids are going to love that. I see stars. Like, I've never seen a star except for the New York Planetarium. It's crazy. You look up, you see stars. So it's going to be a big move, a little bit of an adjustment, you know, and the kids are going to have to register for school. But uh, I'm excited. And uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, the official move will be all done and I'll be relocated. Yeah, that's good because you've been moving some stuff over this past week even, right? Yeah, I've got a nice big uh, Chevrolet Traverse and I just load up all kinds of boxes every morning and I drive out there, dump them off, uh, do some fixing, you know. Not that there's a lot of fixing. It's pretty much move in, but just to add personal touches, you know, uh, and then come back and do it all over again. So we've been doing that. And the big stuff that I can't bring, we'll finally call the moving truck and move it over. Yeah, moving's the worst. But once you're done, it's it's going to be really nice. 
Yeah, well, I'm not sure what to do with these pinball machines, though. Oh, They're big. Yeah, that's true. Now, <laughs> now are you going to have space for them at your new place? Like, All right. The fact of the matter is, technically, I could have space for them, but I kind of need the money. So I think, yeah, I think some of them are going to be uh, going on eBay. Give me, give or... me a percentage of keep to sell ratio. You have one yet? 50%. Oh, wow. Yeah, it happens to every collector at some point in his life. He, he does like a huge axe and cuts. Yeah, like fifty percent. I mean, I've already picked out what's staying. So, what are some of the what are some of the top ones that are definitely staying? Okay, definitely staying. Medieval Madness, definitely staying. Theater of Magic, definitely staying. Um, Cactus Canyon, only because it's a really really rare game, staying. Um. Obviously, my Dragon's Lair arcade game is staying. My Spy Hunter is staying. My main machine will go. Uh, that's a custom machine that I made. Uh, then the other pins. Um, my wife wants to keep the Lord of the Rings. It's not one of the greatest games, but she wants it. She likes it, so I'll keep it. The other ones, they make a lot of money if I sell them. Like uh, Circus Voltaire will, will fetch me like $7,000 for that one, one game. Yeah, um, Adam's family will be like four grand. Um, I want to keep Indiana Jones, but I'll probably sell Twilight Zone, which would probably be about three thousand dollars. So you know, it's it's sad, um, but I need the cash. It's going to help with you know buying stuff for the kids and furniture, and you know I bought most of these before I was married. And you know when you're a single man, you're a bachelor. This is what you do. And then when you're married and you have kids, Dinky, it's coming up. Eventually, for yep. you, you gotta like prioritize what's important, and your hobbies get kind of shelved. So that's what's gonna happen to me. Hopefully, I'll get uh, to video them before they actually go. And then that'll be, you know, I've been holding off on making videos of them because once I made a video of them, my wife has said you gotta sell them. So you should, at, le- you should at least do a tour of the garage before you move them all. You think so? Yeah, that's a good idea. Definitely, re- that's that. a good Just- idea. Because, I mean, that's one of those things where down the road, you'll have fun looking back at that, too, you know? Well, how do I prevent myself from crying during the tour? You could cry. Well, I give you permission. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. So maybe I'll do a tour video and then individually sell. In fact, the video that I make of the video game might be good to put on to sell it. You know, I have a link oh, going yeah, to true. it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. For potential buyers, they can see every single thing that's on that yeah, game. Yeah, they'll know so, you're not yeah. a scammer either trying to, like, shovel off poor, you know, they'll know you keep exactly. your stuff in good shape. Exactly. And exactly. you'll still, even after you get rid of half, you'll still have more than everybody else out there. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of money tied up in these pinball machines, I got to tell you. So it'll help. And, but, oh, another thing. I mentioned that we went to this, uh, you know, these game stores on the trip back from Dragon Con. Yeah. And I just, by impulse, there was one game there. I don't know why I did it. I picked it up off the shelf. It was a Sega Genesis game. And I smelled it. (laughs) And I thought back. I was like, oh, I just told him I never smell any games. But I picked it up. Oh, so you smelled it instinctually, not because we we mentioned it in the last week's podcast. Last month's podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, I just caught a little hint of smoke, and I, I smelled it. I was like, I didn't buy it because it smelled too much like smoke, and I was like, 
damn it, John. Because <laughs> I just told you, what, last episode that I don't smell any of this stuff. But uh, Is he? Is yep, he? and then I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, so That's I thought great. that was funny. I figured I'd mention that to you. Fantastic. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, you want to move in? We got a bunch of questions this time, so... Yeah, let's move into the questions and see what we've got here. All right, yeah, to start this out, first I'd like to uh, just mention a few people. Uh, the first one is Yokorama Game Talks, and he's been, I've known him for a long time. He used to put up gaming and anime videos, and he's been mentioning us a lot on Twitter. Every time we put up new episodes, he tells tells his friends on Twitter and Facebook to go out and check us out and everything, and he left us a question for this episode, so we'll get in, into that in a minute. And then I've been getting people signing up on my site. You know, I mentioned that last, basically last month was the first time I ever told people about it. And just past 20,000 games. So since the last episode, we got 10,000 games added into the collection manager. And uh, getting a lot of real positive feedback. But the one person, Michael Panther, we asked his question last episode about the cartoons, our favorite, or cartoons that we would make into games. He put his collection up. I mean, there are a lot of people that are putting up collections. His is actually bigger than my collection. And there are a bunch of other ones on there that are worth just as much or even a little bit more than my collection. So it's really cool talking to all these people. And a lot of them listen to the podcast. So that's where they went over and found the site out about. Yeah, Neo. his name on there is Neo Kenjiro. He has so many games. And then the third person is, I was using the site a little bit and talked to uh, Gary Voigt on facebook and just worked out a trade he was my last video i got a trade from him he sent me almost a pristine copy of crystalis on the nes which is an action rpg game i've been wanting to play for a while and then he also traded uh masters of the universe he-man for intellivision and it's in great shape too so really cool to get those two games and just as a bonus he threw in i don't know if you remember him those old how to win it nintendo games books Yes. And I, I didn't know he was going to put them in there. He just threw them in as a bonus. And I opened it up on, on my uh, video. And I I was, I couldn't believe they were in there. I used to love those things because back, back when I was playing the Nintendo games, there was no internet. So yeah. if I wanted to figure out how to find all those old Nintendo game secrets, that's those are the books that I had to use. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners remember them. But uh, really cool that he threw them in there. Just wanted to mention them on the podcast here. That's very nice. Yeah. It's very nice of him to do that. So I guess we'll go into the questions. The first one was from uh, Yokorama Game Talks. He asked on Twitter, he says, are you guys looking forward to the Zelda Wind Waker HD, which uh, just came out? Right. So I'll let you go first on that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, personally, uh, I, I feel Nintendo is doing this only to prop up their, their sales for the Wii U because it, the Wii U hasn't taken off quite as much as they hoped. Uh, obviously, the Zelda title is is a big title that everybody has near and dear to their heart. And uh, I think they're just doing this to kind of keep it going until the new consoles come out, to keep it in the news. I don't see the necessity to actually make a, a remake of this game. The, the original was quite fine. There's not a whole lot of differences between this and the original except the way you control uh, the characters because of the Wii U concept. Um, so I'm not really looking forward to it only because I don't think it's necessary. I think the retro kind of did it just right. Let's see something new. How about you, man? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, everybody knows Zelda's my favorite series of all time, basically. So 
I love all the Zelda games. I really enjoyed Wind Waker. I didn't like it as much as the games before it, but um, still, even with this HD, I, I just am not really all that excited about it. Mainly because, like you said, the gap from GameCube to the Wii U, it, I mean, it's not as huge to me. If it was something from N64 or before, getting into HD, that's something that I'd be really excited for. But, um, I don't know, the Wind Waker HD, not too excited about it. I, I'll end up picking up later, but not not currently. And the, the one thing that does make me mad is Nintendo always comes out with these new console releases that are the you know zelda ones and stuff and i don't know that really bugs me that because i always i buy them day one and then and then they come out with cool zelda consoles and i wish i would have waited <laughs> but yeah i hear that yeah not too excited about the wind waker hd even though i love the game so so we got two thumbs down on the the wind waker yep okay I bet you that's not what yukarama was expecting to hear from us no especially since i mean i love zelda games yeah, I know you do. Yeah, I don't know. There are just so many games that I should be buying, and uh, I don't know. To drop it on that, I don't think it's as big a difference in quality for me to drop the full price on, you know? Right. I did uh, I did ask with the... Uh, I do have the pre-order already in place for the Link Between Worlds on the 3DS. I cannot wait for that game. Like, that's, that's something that I'm looking forward to, almost like a... It, it's actually a sequel, but you know, like an HD version of the Super Nintendo version. I can't wait for that. And I was hoping, I went up to GameStop a couple times, and I keep asking if they're doing any promotional stuff for it, but it sounds like it's just going to be the game. Um, yeah, I guess we'll go into the next question. This one's from Metal King 79 He says, if you were able to purchase and bring back a video game company that no longer exists, what would it be? <laughs> and which IPs or games would you want to release? So, I... I I knew my answer right off the bat, and it's Squaresoft. I mean, hands down, they switched over to Square Enix, and, I mean, no games, no company has put out RPGs like they did. I mean, it, for specific games, just the Final Fantasies were so good, then Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, all the RPGs that Squaresoft put out, I mean, I don't think RPGs will ever get back to what they were with Squaresoft. So, hands down, that would be my company. Hmm, that's a good one. I totally forgot about Squaresoft closing the doors recently. Um, so I went even further back to Acclaim Entertainment. If you remember Acclaim, uh, they had a lot of games for PCs and uh, Super Nintendo and Nintendo. Just to, let me see, I, I have it listed here. Some of the games that you might remember. They did all the all-star baseball games, if you remember that. Yep. Uh, let's see, they had uh, the Batman Robin, Batman Forever, they did Burnout, uh, Dave Mara Freestyle. They had a great library of games. Mortal Kombat, they got the license for yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. NBA Jam um, for the Game Boy and N64. NBA Jam, that game was great. They had The Simpsons. Oh, they did Torok. Torok was one of their biggest licenses. Yeah, that was really big back on the N64. That was huge. And then all the WWF games, all the wrestling games they had. So they were a huge company. And in fact, this was one of the first companies that I ever bought stock in. Back in the day, I just started, you know, tinkering with buying stocks. And, you know, you buy what you love. I bought Marvel, which was in bankruptcy. <laughs> I bought Acclaim, which was in bankruptcy. And Acclaim burned me. 
And I sold my Marvel, and I wish I never did because obviously we all know what happened to Marvel. They went on to become Omega. Yeah, exactly. So um, eventually when Acclaim went bankrupt, they had offices in Long Island, New York, and they were advertising, come buy our furniture. (laughs) I was going to buy office furniture from the Acclaim (laughs) offices just to have a piece of a video game company, but... I never went out to buy it, but it, it was a sad day to hear a claim went because it was a really good company for a lot of good games. I mean, I think James Rolfe made fun of a claim for a couple of games. And I know he really dissed LJN, but uh, it was a pretty pretty good company. They put out some interesting games, and it had a long history. Yeah, that's a good answer. I remember a lot of them. They were they were fun. Next up, we got uh, Clint Yargar. I guess that's how you say his last name. <laughs> Uh, what is Yarga. your most anticipated or favorite new release for a retro console with the homebrew scene blowing up? Pierce Solar from Watermelon has prompted this question. As the game itself looks sweet, just curious on your thoughts. So you can take this one first. Did you take a look at the Pure Solar video? Yeah. I did too, and it does look awesome. What's freaking me out about Pure Solar is the people behind it. There's one guy, the art director, he's got this long hair and this big handlebar mustache he looks like a doug henning on henning on crack <laughs> he's really freaky looking but um what i'm excited about is i think you agree with me my number nine. Oh yeah yeah so it's it's not quite mega man but it's mega man yeah, everybody they, knows they just i mean they switched the title over yeah. to mighty number nine and they the characters i mean the artwork looks really cool they're, they're on their kickstarter they're posting all kinds of artwork and it i mean it looks so similar and you can tell they're going to be keeping it similar and keeping the same style it just just new they made a lot of money on their kickstarter this is all dependent on kickstarter if kickstarter didn't work out it would have failed uh and they made it and they made it in spades now they're like have extra money to do it on other consoles that they didn't expect to do it on so this is great oh yeah they're way above their goal and they just reached the limit where I think it was 2.2 million, and now it's going to come out for console releases. So I'm pretty excited That's about awesome. that. I put I put in money for the. I was thinking about just doing the digital download, but you know me as a collector, I had to upgrade to yep. the physical copy. So I'm pretty happy to get get that. And I mean, it's not. I don't even think it's done until October 1st, and they they already doubled their goal. Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, this is good news for gamers that are uh, not gamers, but game developers that rely on crowdfunding. Uh, this will be a great example yeah, it, of how it can be successful. It's fantastic. Especially for a series like Mega Man. I mean, it's one of the most iconic characters, you know, in, in gaming. And essentially it was going to be gone. I mean, they had they yeah. had the Mega Man 9 and 10 and then they were supposed to have the, the last game come out and... We all know what happened with that. So, yeah, right. I mean, just to see it coming back out, it's under a new name, but we know it's going to be similar. So that's why it got all the support that it did. See, that's the whole point. They're, they're really skirting just under the radar of infringing on the Mega Man title. I mean, we all know, everybody knows it's a Mega Man game. It's by the same creators that worked at Capcom, but it's not the Mega Man title by name. It's not the Mega Man exactly the characters, but they look similar. I mean, if you you couldn't get any closer to it without having a legal problem. Yeah, and and to get the new graphics, I mean, I don't even know. Just to, I love Mega Man so much. Just to see <laughs> a new graphic one in the same old gameplay style, 
oh yeah. i just can't all wait it's gonna be so cool and there's a lot of cool and another thing about that is there's a lot of cool fan art coming out like fan support uh the one guy um machine games tx on my website i didn't even know that he did he does a bunch of like uh audio remixes and stuff and i never knew he did any music and he put together a really cool mighty number nine remix and just messaged them on twitter and the song's really good i mean he did a great job that's one of the fan things coming up i'm seeing a lot of people doing cool character fan art in the developers i mean they're they're looking at this stuff they're replying to him on twitter and it's really cool to see that kind of feedback as far as consoles go i i think uh mega man has got to be in one of like the top would you say top five recognizable and loved characters in console? Oh, yeah. I would say so. I mean, yeah. it definitely top ten. I mean... Well, yeah, without a doubt, yeah, top maybe 10. some of the younger people don't know as much about it, but anybody anybody over, like, 25 <laughs> knows. You know, you, if you buy a Mega Man game, you're going to like... It, it doesn't matter which one you get. You're going to like almost all of them, you know? Yep. So, And that one's kind of opposite, I guess, of his question, because he asked for new releases on old consoles, but... uh. I was going to say the one that I really, it, it already came out. I got it out at the Classic Gaming Expo was the Halo Halo 2600. <laughs> for the Atari 2600. Yeah, for the Atari 2600. And I just loved... A four-bit system doing Halo. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. And I mean, I just loved Halo, and I saw it out there, and Gamester was out there too, and I got that. And I was actually just looking up this week. They, they released a newer version where I could get the box and the manual. I'd have to buy the whole game again, though, so... I don't know if there's a way for me to just buy the box, but I'm probably going to try and get that somehow. Nice. Nice. Uh, I heard about the Halo 2600, and I saw Gamester's video on it. And, you know, I really would love to have one of those, but I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, and mine's nice, too, because mine was the original print. You got the first run. Yeah, there aren't many of, and they're, I mean, they're selling for a good bit. Some people are tossing them on eBay trying to be jerks and, like, raise up the price, but, I mean, legitimately, you know, I'm I'm really glad that I got the original version of it. Yeah, see, I'm not a real collector. You are, so I'm glad you got the original. If I had the second, third, fourth run, I don't care, as long as it's a playable game. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome for me. I'd be happy with that. Yep. So how about you? What Any other uh, cool ones? Yeah, um, here's something. Here's an update. Um, about a year and a half ago, almost two years maybe, I did an interview with David Schroeder, who was the creator of a Commodore 64 game called Dino Eggs, which was one of my favorite Commodore... It still is. Favorite Commodore 64 game. Uh, and, I, and I did this interview. It was a two-part interview, and I told David during the interview, you really should consider making this for a modern game system. And he, he took it to heart, and he looked into it, and he found a programmer. And now I'm happy to announce that he has uh, Dino Eggs Rebirth coming out for all the major systems on uh, Xbox, and uh, he's working on some handheld consoles. Uh, he has a video on YouTube if you looked up Dino Eggs Rebirth. Um, I think you'd be impressed if you enjoyed the original Dino Eggs, if you're as old as I am and enjoyed that game in the eighties, you'll really enjoy this one. Um, so I'm happy for him and I hope him, uh, much success with this. Um, he's been hawking it at all the, uh, consoles and indie game places. So I, I hope he has, uh, much success. So that's cool. Yeah. That's real cool. Especially since you mentioned it, mentioned it to him that you really liked it, you know? Yeah, I know in a small way, I feel like I kind of spurred him on to something cause he had no, cause I contacted him 
And uh, every once in a while, he told me somebody would contact him to say, hey, I enjoyed your game. So I said, I want to do an interview on your game. And during the interview, I said, you really should consider it. There's a lot of Commodore 64 games that are being put out for, like, the iOS. And he said, yeah. And he found a fan who was a programmer who kind of did a an unofficial clone of it. And they got together. And I guess they may have formed a little corporation. Yeah. And now they have this actual game coming out. So... Hurrah for me. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, you know, if you didn't mention that to him, he may, I mean, that just sparked the idea, and he may never have really pursued it. So that's awesome. Yeah, well, I, it's it's a little presumptuous of me, but I I did mention it, so I in a small way, yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I still I still, still speak to him. So, um, you know, he's a very cool guy. He's very approachable. So um, that'll be coming out, I think, the end of this year. And of course, uh, there's Shroud of the Avatar, which we've spoken about before, which is basically the successor to Ultima Four. Oh yeah, uh, that'll be coming out next year too. And now I have a question on the Dino Eggs because was that a was that a disc game or a cartridge game? I'm assuming a disc, probably. Yeah, it was. It was a disc game. I think it was originally programmed on the Apple II, and then it was also ported onto the Commodore 64. But it was, you know, the five and a half inch floppy. You've seen these great big floppy disks that would go into these honking. Yeah, that's, <laughs> huge that's, I just got, that's what that Mega Man is. Yeah. Mega Man on a floppy disk. I couldn't believe it. But I, I, I can't find this game. I, I just looked it up on, um, on eBay, and like I, I can't find it anywhere. So because I, I've never heard of it. Well, you can't find the Dino Eggs game. You mean no. Well, you know but, why, right? So if you see a copy, well, yeah, yeah. But back back in those days, everybody was copying those games and and pirating them. There's like no reason to have the original. Oh, I know. You know, they were very piratable back then. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those I mean, Commodore sixty four games don't go for too much, but I wonder if that one's re- valuable. Because I mean, normally there would that, be... that's a good question. If you could find a box Dino Eggs, I wonder what that would go for. I, I can't even find any. You can almost always find a, a disc version. Yeah, I don't see any on there. It was such a cool concept, too. It was like you went back in time and you infected the dinosaurs with the common measles. So to save them, you bring back their eggs to the future to save them from extinction. And uh, it was a really fun plat. It was a platform game. It was really fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a good one. Nice. All right, yeah, we'll go on to the next question. Um, this is from Greg Taylor. These last couple have been on Facebook. He says, what What was your favorite year of gaming? Mine was 1996 with the launch of Nintendo 64, which was my first home console. And uh, oh, the first home console is always awesome, you know? Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. just being able to get games, you know, it doesn't even matter what console you got. When you got a game that you could be playing at home, I mean, it was, it was just great. But, uh, yeah, what would yours be? You see, I felt the opposite. Once I was playing games at home that were rivaling the arcades, I knew it was the death of the arcade. I knew it. Once I saw Mortal Kombat at home, I said, forget it. The arcades are going to die. And they sure oh, did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my favorite year, and again, I'm showing my age, was 1983. Uh, 1983 was right before the great video game crash of 84. And and that crash was created because there were so many Atari games that were being made by 
every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. They were really shoddy, but there was so much that you can play. Um, it was totally saturated with all those uh, Atari 2600 games. Arcades were, you know, at the very peak before their crash. There were fantastic games like Elevator Action, Gyrus, Mappy, Mr. Do's Castle. All the Laserdisc games came out pretty much in 83, uh, like Dragon's Lair and, and Cliffhanger. So that was my primal year. And then, of course, obviously, later on, the consoles came out. But as for me, because of my age, 83 was the pinnacle of the the game crash. Yeah, and I was uh, one year old. <laughs> you were one in 83? Yep. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Holy crap. So, uh, yeah, see, I, I'm sure, I mean, that would stink seeing, because at that point, you could see what was going to be, you know, it, it's a shame that it had the crash and everything. But, I mean, before that, it was completely different. You know, yeah. So I can't even imagine, you know, being being around to kind of be witnessing that happen. It would kind of suck. Yeah, but you see, when you talk about the consoles, there's there's always like five, six, seven years before the next console comes out. Back then, 1979, maybe arcades started to kick in, you know, and then by '83, that was the height, and then they crashed. So it wasn't even much. It wasn't even five years. Yeah. It was all condensed. You know, Pac-Man came out in 1980. That was like insanity in 1980. I wish you could have been there to see the insanity that was going on. It was it was, it was, was Pac-Man everything. Yeah. Pac-Man everything. Uh, it was on the cover of Time magazine. It was like, you know, uh, I, I can't even believe, you know, that this was a phenomenon at the time. It's just video games. But back then, it was the newest and greatest craze in the world. See, and I like that because one of the things that kind of gave me a little bit of an idea of that is is watching that king of kong movie okay because they they show all that stuff where i mean people were really getting into it being on the magazines and they have these huge competitions in the arcades and i mean there aren't really i mean you have your competitions today but those were crazy back then i mean the arcade games from back then are just a completely different test of skill than games today yeah, I, like I have a neighbor next door to me. He's like 16 years old, and uh, sometimes I talk to him. He asks me about things, and when I talk to him about you know arcades, he has no way to conceptualize it. There's no reference. He has no idea what I'm talking about. He just thinks I'm a crazy old man. He really has no idea. Yeah, because so, I mean, honestly, when when did most of the, I mean, the arcades were leaving? I don't know what, maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. They've been long gone, dude. What you stumbled upon in Ohio is just a rarity. That's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I knew you were going to love it. And I walked in there and I the people were telling me, they're like, check this place out. And I said, you know, all right, let's stop up there. Because, I mean, we're on, you don't want a road trip. You don't want to be taking a long time and making your trip take 12 hours, you know? Oh, right. So we walk in there and anybody who is a big fan of arcades, Check out the second half of my last video, or two videos ago, I think it was, a couple ago. And it's, uh, I think it's titled Game Hunting, Louisville to Cincinnati. And, I mean, honestly, this is the, not only because their game selection was awesome for a store, but just to have all those old arcade games. They had Mortal Kombat's, all the old beat-em-ups. I mean, they had everything. They had some pinball machines. It was just to walk into that and hear all those sounds again. It's like, I mean, something you can't really find anymore. 
Yeah, I know. It's sad. The the arcade sound, the allure of walking in and hearing all those beeps and songs and music, uh, you know, bringing you to each game, trying to pull you from one side of the aisle to the other. That's something that is going to be gone. I mean, you talk to any old timer, you know, about anything, about radio, about TV in the past. It's the same thing. It's it's a it's a gone era. Yep. Yep. Yeah, now mine's going to kind of pale in comparison, I suppose. But uh, yeah, well, I mentioned that I, I, eventually there'll be holographic games, and you'll be talking to your son or your grandson saying, There was a time when we had these little boxes that we would connect to our TVs, and they would look at you like, You're insane. We, we would use controllers and actually. <laughs> controllers? You mean you didn't use your mind? What's wrong with you, Grandpa? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see that. What was that? Uh, that book recently had that uh, Ready Player One. You know, it'll be like that. You just hop in a suit and you're out in out in the virtual world. Yep, that's right. But uh, the year I chose was 1987, and I mean back then I was real young. But it's mainly for the games that came out then. I probably played them a year or two later. But 1987 is like when a lot of my favorite series of all time came out in like Zelda. Castlevania, Mega Man, Kid Icarus, Metroid, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! was that year, and Contra came out in the arcade, came out a year later on Nintendo, so that year for me, I mean, those are the games, like, they're my favorite games of all time, and for them to all come out in one year, I I mean, looking back on it, that year was just the best games for me coming out. Yeah, it's a good year. So that would be my answer. Some of those came out in... In Japan and stuff, you know, there were there were more that came out in Japan and came out over here like two years later. But oh, I love those games, all those old Nintendo ones, because I played the Atari first, but it was when I was younger, you know. So those are the ones that I remember the most. So in '87, how old were you? I then? was five years old. You were five years and old, and it, it was funny too because I was asking my parents, and I was like, you know, when did I start playing games? And they said probably like. I don't know, three or four years old, I guess. And my mom came home with an Atari 400, maybe, or an 800, I forget. She got them on some sale and bought a couple of them. But uh, I, I went back, and we were. she was digging through my... Uh, my brother and sister just had kids, so they were going through some of all their old, old things from when we were young. And I had this big timeline that I drew out in school, and I was probably like six or seven years old. And I'm actually marked down as one of my life events got my first Nintendo. <laughs> and it was when I was four years old and it was like marked off. It was like that and like other major events in my life. So <laughs> back then I thought that was uh, even even back then I thought that was awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, I know that I was four years old when I got my Nintendo. Wow. In 1987, I was 17. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> Okay, what else? Move along. Come on, I'm feeling old. Another question came from uh, Faisal HT, and his YouTube name is Team Excalibur. And I've been talking to him for a while. Uh, he's, he writes me on Facebook a lot and things like that. And he always posts, uh, he says him and his son have been listening to our podcast and they really enjoy it. And his question nice. is, did you guys hear about the Retron 5? He says, this is a beast, or this beast is a 5-in-1 machine. I really believe you guys should check it out. Um and I'll go. I'll go first. I remember in one of our earlier podcasts. I forget what episode. I was talking about the Retro Duo, which I have. And if if people don't know about these, the Retro Duo that I have has 
it can play Nintendo and Super Nintendo games all in one console, and it uses Super Nintendo controller ports. And, you know, I, I really like it. Uh, you know, it's nice to have both consoles in one. It usually costs about 40 to $50. And this new upgraded one, I've thought about buying the Retron 3, which has uh, the Genesis added in there. And I heard about the Retron 5, and I'm actually really excited about it. This one's going to have the Nintendo. This is all going to be a one console, and it has a whole bunch of slots on the top. I don't know if you saw a picture of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it has the Nintendo slot on the top. Uh, the next slot is for Super Nintendo and Super Famicom games. You can also play Genesis and Mega Drive games. And then another slot for Famicom. And the last slot is going to be for Game Boy, regular, Advance, and Color games. So, nice. I mean, I, I, I did notice some issues with the Retro Duo. Uh, the sound is not nearly as good for the Nintendo games. But the Super Nintendo audio sounds perfectly fine. So, I mean, I'm hoping that they kind of fix that on this one. That's the only drawback that I would have. But I'll probably buy this right when I can. Because I've been holding off on that Retron 3 for a long time. Because I, I I was hoping that this one would come out. So, I'm pretty excited about it. You just kind of knew this was just the next step. It was coming eventually, right? Yeah, and I mean, for me, going from the Retro Duo to the, to the Retron 3, it's only one... You know, just Genesis, and obviously, right. I, just Genesis. Yeah, I own a Sega. It's huge. Well, I, well, yeah, you know what I mean, though. But I own all these consoles. You know, I don't really. Yeah. I mean, I only I like these for convenience, so I don't have to have eight consoles set up all at once. So for me to spend fifty, sixty dollars just to play Genesis games isn't as big a deal for me. I, I mean, people who don't have these consoles—that's a great deal. Just being able to play all those games for fifty dollars is probably what it's going to come out at. I mean that that's that's crazy. That's a really good really good thing coming out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. This is something that I would definitely pick up. Um I haven't done the Retron 3. Uh probably just because I'm just lazy. Um but now that there's a Retron 5 that plays all these systems, there's absolutely no reason why I shouldn't get this uh again for the convenience of having it. Just so I don't have to unplug and drag out the old system, put in a new system. I I can't have five six systems all at the ready to play any game. I don't. Maybe I will at the new house, but right now I certainly don't. So uh, yeah, this this sounds great. Um, I think they're taking pre-orders, right? Um, uh, probably. I probably won't pre-order it. I don't know. Maybe I will. I'm not sure, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Having it kind of stinks having four different consoles set up at all times if you don't need to so yeah i I don't mind the consoles i mind the wires and the cables in the back having to switch them out yeah yeah that's a real if they you know instead of having a retron 5 if they can have just a a plug central 5 where you can just (laughs) switch which one is going to i'd buy that in a heartbeat but uh so I, I was we were talking about these notes. I was like, oh yeah, now I'm waiting for a Betamax, VHS, Laserdisc, D- DVD, Blu-ray combo player. Yeah, I wonder what what would you even use any of those for? Although I do see I do see Laserdiscs out sometimes, but I've never owned a Laserdisc player. I would I would pick one up just to goof around with it. Yeah, I've got a couple of Laserdiscs. They're massive. Um, they're huge. They're they're like uh, a regular. What is it? The old fashioned thirty three. Was it thirty three? records oh yeah 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 they're so big <laughs> i've got a call actually the laser disc that dragon's lair is on is one of those big honka ones all those uh 
Laserdisc games were on big, huge Laserdiscs. And I have a couple of movies just because I had the player. I had a spare player in case my Laserdisc machine broke down with the Dragon's Lair. I had to swap it yeah, out. Yeah, I remember you so saying that. Some, now, like, do you have a nice case for the for the Dragon's Lair one? Do I have like, a nice like case? The, uh, yeah, like around whatever the disc came in. Yeah, oh well, no, it it it's well actually I have I have more than one laser disc for Dragon's Lair. I have a couple of original ones that over time they would uh they would degrade. You know, they were made for just lasting a few years. The technology at the time wasn't so great. Eventually they die. The the glue that would hold the two pieces of plastic would corrode it. So they had a repressing of it and the repressing was more of a modern uh technology kind of like a a cd that one's fine that'll last forever so i have a couple of the repressings and it comes in a nice case but generally speaking the old original ones they didn't come in any kind of fancy case because they came in the machine itself it wasn't a separate thing yeah because i was thinking i mean like putting putting records up and stuff you know some of those there are there are huge displays like if you want to put stuff you know on on shelves or on the wall they look nice i figured Maybe the Dragon's Lair no. ones would for, for Laserdisc, you know? Unfortunately, no. They didn't make a nice fancy Laserdisc uh, sleeve for it. I mean, they come in a sleeve, but it wasn't fancy. I mean, I have uh, The Secret of Nim, uh, which was a, a cartoon movie that comes in a nice collector's kind of uh, issue case, where you can't get that anywhere else. But that's about it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... That's all the questions. If anyone wants to ask any questions for future episodes, just uh, go to our Hit Reset Radio, on mostly on Facebook. I mean, a lot of these come in on Facebook and Twitter, basically about maybe a week or five days before the podcast. I just post a message a lot of the time and say, we're going to be recording fairly soon. Do any of you have questions? That makes the podcast a lot more fun, being able to actually answer stuff that we know people listening want to hear, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I guess next we can go on to news. Uh, something real small. It's it's nothing too major. But if anyone hasn't played Eco, it was a PS2 game. It's now free on PlayStation Network if you have PlayStation Plus. So if if anybody hasn't played that game and has PlayStation Plus, definitely download it. Uh, it's one of my favorite PS2 games. And if you can get it for free, it's usually $20. And they're going to be having it free for at least a while. So hop on there and try and download that. Well, Eco was a huge hit when it first came out. Well, actually, I think it was more of a... It, it's one of those games where right when it came out, I don't think it was all that huge. And then afterward, people started finding out about it, and it became one of those, like, cult classic type of games on the PS2. And uh, once Shadow of the Colossus came out, it really brought a lot of attention to Eco. Because everyone right. played Shadow of the Colossus because it was more action-oriented and all that stuff. And then people kind of thought, oh, well, there's a game before this. I got to go back and play that, which is actually what I did. I played uh, I played Shadow of the Colossus first, loved it so much that I went back and played Eco. Um, I personally still like Shadow of the Colossus more because it's more action and, you know, you're climbing up all these colossi. But Eco is more of a game where you go through and you have this girl that you help escape and you're trying to escape this big castle. You go through and you have to kind of solve puzzles, push blocks around and everything and you kind of just drag her through the the castle. And what's really cool is if she gets... Basically what happens is you won't see any villains really during the entire game unless you get let her get far away from you. So you're playing through the game and the main thing is to... You have to stick with her because she's pretty helpless. 
and in order to get through the game you have to keep her right with you and it's kind of a cool relationship that it builds between the two characters and uh don't want to give anything away but go get it for free <laughs> well it's an old game it's been out for a while i think most people remember it but yeah it's a great game definitely pick yep, it up so nice mention nice. that so let's talk about also uh current events uh Recently, uh, last Monday, we had uh, a terrible shooting in Washington. We all know about that. And, of course, all the politicians are coming out claiming video games have something to do with it. Supposedly, this this, uh, maniac uh, used to play Call of Duty for 18 hours a day. I have no idea if that's true or not, but they're trying to pin violent video games on, you know, mass shootings and the possibility of somehow there's a connection. What do you think about that, Dink? I I swear, every time stuff happens, they always come to games. And they always yeah. say, oh, this is because of games and all this stuff. And, I mean, it is a serious issue. You know, it's, it's not something that I brush off or say, you know, this isn't important. Because, honestly, I mean, things like games and movies, I mean, that stuff affects younger younger people. And, you know, you don't always know what effects they have. But, I mean, honestly, to me... I don't, I mean, I would blame games just as much as I would blame movies or TV shows. I mean, there's violence in all of those things. And you can't really blame the 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 game for what these people who are, you know, I mean, they're obviously not correct in the head. And they're trying to blame it on games. And I, I just don't think that's really, really an accurate accusation. You know, they do it all the time. And it's always been an issue, you know, back back even with Mortal Kombat's and what was the one, Night Trap. You know, they always thought that right. these games were messing with all these people. And then you go before that, they thought Heavy Metal was messing with all these people and that's what causes all this stuff. And they just, you know, they jump from one thing to the next and violent games are what they're, what they're on right now. Yeah, it's just a strange phenomenon going on now. Like, first they used to equate, well, if you watch a movie or you read a book, there's all kinds of violence. You know, you can't blame those. Not that I'm saying there is a connection, but obviously video games, you're not just watching. You are participating, especially in a game like Call of Duty or uh, like Grand Theft Auto V or any of the other ones. You're you're actually putting yourself in that world. Now, as for do does that spur uh, violence in people? Personally, my opinion is I, I don't think it spurs it in people. I think... Um, Certain people have certain bad tendencies, and they're going to come out regardless if they played a game or read a book. Uh, there's always a trigger on every single person, just finding the right trigger. Um, from experience, I have fired a rifle. I have fired a handgun. And the last thing that came to my mind was, oh, this is just like Grand Theft Auto. Or, oh, this is just like you know any of the war games that are popular. It is absolutely nothing like a video game. Really, it, nothing like a video game. And when you have a weapon in your hand, it's a deadly weapon. You can't compare the two. It didn't even come to my head that, oh, I can see how people confused the two. Oh, I can see how this uh, feels like, uh, you know, name your video game. Absolutely not. No way in hell does an actual weapon feel or 
bring memories of a video game you may have played earlier in the day or the week or whatever. Another breaking news today is Grand Theft Auto V broke all records. It it earned $800 million in just one day. That's crazy. And <laughs> that is more than uh, the latest Superman Man of Steel movie earned worldwide. For, for the whole the whole running the whole running this is in one day okay so there first off obviously like just the point you made there's that many people playing this game and the incidents you would think there'd be like a mad hysterical spree across america everywhere that there'd be like a chaos and anarchy everywhere that doesn't exist it doesn't um the fact that it earned this much money earns more than a hollywood movie there's no way you can stop a business that makes that kind of money. That makes a lot of jobs. It produces a lot of revenue. Uh, you can't stop something like that. It would it would be quote unquote un-American. You you can't stop a successful business from doing what it does. It would be wrong. And and the jury is still out if it's a good game or not. Yeah. This is just the hype. The budgets keep going up. I think the I think the Grand Theft Auto Four. I think that made three hundred and ten million. And then I forget what Call of Duty made, but I mean games are getting super popular now. I mean it was never like that, you know. They're they're going to be passing up all the. I mean they already are passing up all the movie. Yeah, it's it's bigger than Hollywood, yeah. absolutely. So it's cool to see that uh, things are going into gaming like that. But it also is like, man, what about all these little small companies who are trying to make games and compete with them? Well, I, I think the indie games are are pretty good. Uh, there's a there's a vibrant indie community. Um, it doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar game to be good. Yeah, I wish a lot of the I wish a lot of the games didn't try to compete with that, like RPGs, like SquareSoft. I was talking about earlier. Make yeah. you know, make RPGs not all about those insane graphics and stuff. I I hope they start kind of veering off from that a little bit. Well, look look at Angry Birds. Okay, Angry Birds is a physics game. There's nothing much to it. It really isn't. And it's a phenomenon. It's everywhere. And now it's linked up with Star Wars, where there's an Angry Birds Star Wars version. It's bedsheets, candy. Uh, there's actually a physical game where you actually pull back on a catapult and shoot blocks. It's insane. And, and that's nothing. That's nothing to make a game like yep. that. Yeah, that is Incredible. crazy. And it costs, what, like a dollar most of the time? Yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody's exactly. played Angry Birds. Every, I think more people know Angry Birds, the word Angry Birds or the phrase, rather than Grand Theft Auto. Or just about equal, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a good one, because that, I mean, that was that was just what, today it came out. Yeah, I mean, that's breaking yeah. news. <laughs> breaking news. Yeah, so, oh man, I don't know. That's, uh, I still can't get over that number. That's so much money. $800 million. I mean, dollars. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at a movie ticket, a movie ticket's what ten to twelve dollars average. Let's say ten dollars. Yeah, they don't. The movie people don't make money on the popcorn and all that other stuff. So it's ten dollars a person, whereas a game costs sixty dollars. And then if you get like the special edition, it'll cost seventy or eighty dollars. So it costs a lot more. You know, for each person, you get more bang for the buck. So they're probably raking in a lot more money because of that. And they're advertising big time. They're putting $100 million in advertising. I see buses with, you know, Grand Theft Auto pasted on the oh, side yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, as we started recording, Ten Shinhan on uh, 
on Twitter actually asked us. He said, "Any thoughts on Grand Theft Auto Five and its enormous budget, first day profits, etc." <laughs> so he literally wrote us right after we started recording. So hopefully that answers your question. That answers your Good question. Time to Robert. ask it. <laughs> Well, that wraps it up. We had a great month of gaming this episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed all the questions that came in. Had a lot of fun answering them. We're going to be putting this full episode on Hit Reset Radio on YouTube. You can leave more questions there, comments about the podcast, and also on Facebook and Twitter. So thanks, you guys, for listening, and we'll catch you next month. Take care, man. See ya. I just put one up. I don't know if you you saw that. I put one up recently. Which one? I saw the review. Um, it's called Beezer. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I was writing you and you didn't catch my sarcasm. When I did. I did. Yeah, I realized it afterwards. <laughs> By the way, what I read really fast as a commercial, that was the actual uh, pamphlet that they gave arcades to try to get the game in their arcades. Okay, stand by. The Rescue. Why throw away that perfectly good cabinet, TV monitor, and electronics when a game has lost its earning potential? Let Beezer rescue this old game and turn it into a moneymaker. One hour to new profits. The conversion to Beezer can be completed by you or your service technician in less than one hour. Imagine a top-rated new game for your location in one-third the investment amount in only one hour. Everything is included. The Beezer kit includes everything you'll need to do to turn your Galaxian into a new strategy game. Beezer, the plexiglass header, full inside front decals, fuming window, coin door, give the game a bright new appearance. The complete control panel with trackball, button, and wiring harness only easily replaces Galaxian. And the PCB board is inserted to make Beezer complete. Beezer wins for you. More profits and less cost make Beezer a wise investment. Convert your old Galaxian and get Beezer as a do-it-yourself kit or as a standard upright game. Either way, Beezer will win for you at the price that makes sense.